0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. six ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On this edition of the Pig Pen Podcast, we got some real action to talk about. Week 1, Philly Preview, coming at you. Drag up that diesel. to find running right and he's still on his feet. Hold. He's got the first down the 40. He's gone. The the 30, the he's gone. He's gone. This is the Big Ben Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Detton underscore Day on Twitter. It is here. We have finally reached the point. It's game week, baby! I'm pumped. I am really, really pumped. I know you're excited as well. Today is a Thursday, so we got the Chiefs and the Texans on later tonight. I'm excited about that, but I'm even more excited about our matchup. We're taking on Philadelphia. The Eagles coming to town for week one, and we got to break it all down, right? But first... As always, if this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe to the Hogshaven podcast feed if you're not already. And if you're not a member of the Hogshaven uh, community, go over to Hogshaven.com and be sure to join that. All right, so a couple things to break down kind of before we get to the actual game itself. Captains announced this week. uh, Pretty big deal. One, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I think it is a bit of a surprise. Dwayne Haskins getting voted a captain by the teammates. I think that's a really good sign. I've been big on the Dwayne Haskins train for the entirety of this offseason, and the hype is just continuing to build. I think his teammates voting him as captain shows that they recognize his hard work, but it also shows that the hard work that we have been seeing isn't just like a social media facade like it's real it is a very very real thing his teammates are recognizing it so i think that's a huge sign haskins is the captain sheriff collins everett and john allen uh, the rest of those guys they make a ton of sense of course you got to have john allen as a captain i mean that dude exudes he's everything that you want uh, from a defensive captain so I, obviously he's going to be um he's going to be the captain so those are the t- those are the um the five captains that we got so far uh, to start the season off. Now, against Philadelphia, of course, we know division rival, this is a huge game. Generally speaking, I would prefer to not kick off the season with a division rival, especially this season, because I don't exactly know what to expect from a, a game performance standpoint. Are we going to get sloppy play? Are we going to get super locked in play? I have no idea. But one thing that this team, our team, really needs to avoid is being in the spot that we were in last season when we took on Philadelphia. If you remember that game, we got off to a really, really great start. Terry McLaurin got off to a really great start, catching a touchdown pass early. We went up 20-7 to at the half, and then we lost. And if you remember, after the game, Deshaun Jackson said, we knew we had that game won. They went in down 20-7 to at the half, and Deshaun Jackson said, we knew that we had that game won because I knew what they were about on the other side, and it was easy for us. That is something we must avoid this year at literally all costs, at literally all points of the season. Jay Gruden had got a lot of criticism for the way that he prepared the guys for week one and after bye weeks. My hope is that Ron Rivera, if nothing else, in his first season, and this has been a weird season – it's been even weirder for her be, for him excuse me, because he's been battling health issues. But he needs to avoid putting us in the p- position that we were in last year when Deshaun Jackson said we knew what they were about. We knew we had that game won. And for the record, I think he will. I don't expect the team to be in the position where they're just going to go into halftime leading and then just make a fool of themselves in the second half. That's just not what I think this team is anymore. But please, for the love of God, we cannot have that situation happen again because, quite frankly, last year it was embarrassing. And it was embarrassing because we all knew that it was true. And that's kind of what hurt the most. All right, from a brief injury standpoint, again, nothing finalized. It is a Thursday, uh, so nothing finalized here. But it seems like Thomas Davis is is unlikely to play. Uh, J.P. Finley tweeted out earlier in the day that he did not practice today. Unlikely that he's going to go. Kendall Fuller was, again, limited in practice with that knee injury. It seems like both John Allen and Antonio Gandy-Golden are going to be good to go. Obviously, that's huge to have John Allen there. And then I Having Antonio Gandy Golden uh, is going to be big as, as well. I think he's hopefully going to be put in a position to to make a couple big plays uh, this week. So having those two guys should be good from Philadelphia's perspective. It sure seems like Jalen Rager is going to be able to go. I remember when he first got hurt in uh, in training camp, it seemed like he was going to be out for a, a lot longer than it than he's actually out for. Uh, so I was looking at some of the the uh, the Philadelphia Twitter feeds. Uh, because that's kind of where I'm getting my information about Philadelphia. I was looking at some of their Twitter feeds, and it seems like Jalen Rager is going to be able to go. That's going to be a guy to keep an eye on because he has blazing speed. Is he the best route runner in the world? No, but he has blazing speed. And I would imagine if Rager is 100% good to go, Philadelphia is at some point going to put Jalen Rager on one side and Deshaun Jackson on the other side and just tell those dudes, run. Run. And they'll leave it up to Carson Wentz as to who he wants to throw the ball to. we got to be prepared for a situation like that. All right, so for this preview, let's get to the actual game itself. Uh, We're taking on Philadelphia, 1 o'clock start time on a Sunday. Uh, Looking ahead weather-wise, if you'll allow me to shift into uh, weatherman Denton real quick. It looks like it's going to thunderstorm on a Sunday, because of course it is. Uh, I mean, I surely hope that blows over. We're, I mean, we're three days in advance here, so I'm hoping that it does. Uh, but that is just something to keep an eye on. Uh, but other than that, the weather, at least in this area, has been really, really great lately. I mean, it's been like perfect football weather and perfect for like a really good passing game. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm expecting big passing numbers, hopefully just from our team. But I'm thinking both sides are going to throw the ball a lot. And that kind of gets me into the first key of the game. We have made no secret here on this um, on this podcast, really, just on Hawks Haven in general. We love the defensive line, and I think our defensive line is going to be one of the best in football. But in order to to really get things started and get things off on the right foot, you got to tackle Carson Wentz. Because how many of you remember the game a few years ago? I was at the game. I was working uh, with ESPN nine eighty. Now the team nine eighty, but at the time it was still ESPN nine eighty. I was on the street team. I was working the game when Carson Wentz uh, evaded a tackle that should have been a sack and then just chucked a long touchdown pass that shouldn't have happened at all, and it was just deflating. I remember that very, very vividly, and every time that we play the Philadelphia Eagles, this is always going to be one of my key components to stopping the man. You actually have to tackle him. He is a very large human being. He is not easy to bring down. Now, our defensive line has gotten significantly better this year than it was that year, you know, two three years ago when that play actually happened. But you have to wrap him up and you have to bring him to the ground. I know it's dangerous because I think the refs are going to be. I'm projecting projecting that the officials are going to be in a spot where they are going to get a, a a little trigger happy with the penalty flags. Remember a few years ago we had the roughing the passer calls, literally almost every single play throughout every game of the NFL. I'm hoping it's not that bad, but I am. I am predicting that the officials are going to get a little trigger happy. So, bring Carson Wentz down, but don't get 15-yard penalties in the process. Not an easy thing to do. Much easier said than done. But that's something you have to be able to take advantage of. And then from our defensive line's perspective, Jason Peters is getting the start at left tackle for Philly. We're not 100% sure if Lane Johnson is going to be able to go. uh, So, they might have a backup right tackle in. There is absolutely, and I mean absolutely, no reason why the tackles of Philadelphia should not be barbecue chicken by the end of this game i mean our defensive line should eat these two guys up i don't i don't even care if lane johnson does play jason peters and lane johnson fine jason peters and whoever the hell else they decide to put out there at right tackle fine They should be barbecue chicken by the end of this game. I don't care where you get your barbecue chicken from. uh, D-City Smokehouse, I go to Pit Stop Barbecue and Sterling Mission Barbecue. I don't care. Put some mumbo sauce on them, and these two guys should be eaten alive by whoever it is that we put in front of them. Whether it be Chase Young and Montez Sweat or Ryan Kerrigan, how we decide to shift, it does not matter. We should eat those dudes alive, which then brings us to tackle Carson Wentz when you get the opportunity to tackle Carson Wentz. Because if we're going to be beating them off the edge, that's all well and good. But if we're not capitalizing on it once we're actually in the backfield and making our presence known to the quarterback, that's a problem. So beat the beat the offensive tackles, uh, make them barbecue chicken, and then bring down Carson Wentz. Bold prediction for the game. Chase Young gets one and a half sacks. One and a half sacks for Chase Young. That's the bold prediction on the defensive side of the ball. Now, the flip side, uh, from a Keys perspective, if we are going to tackle Carson Wentz and get after Carson Wentz, from our offensive perspective, for the love of God, don't make Dwayne Haskins run for his life. Our offensive line is, it's a thing, right? I mean, it's a thing. Uh, It's solid at absolute best. There are some worrisome aspects of our offensive line. I think the interior should be good. Now the problem is Fletcher Cox also very good. His season last year statistically not exceptional. He only had three and a half sacks, but we know that Fletcher Cox is better than a guy that has just three and a half sacks. I mean, Philly is certainly paying him to be a guy that is better than three and a half sacks. So I think the interior of our offensive line can handle that. I'm a bit worried about Jerron Christian at the, uh, at the tackle spot, protecting Dwayne Haskins' blind side. But at the same time, I'm optimistic because I don't think that Philadelphia's outside pass rush is anything to be super, super afraid of. I don't think they're bad. I just don't think they're anywhere near as good as our defensive line. And the benefit of our offensive line consistently going up against guys like Chase Young and Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan in practice is that our guys are better than their guys. So I'm optimistic about that. We just can't have Dwayne Haskins running for his life. This is his opportunity to get out there and play. He is a captain. He was voted captain by his teammates. He finally has a coaching staff that believes in him. He's gotten a lot better as a passer. It's time for him to prove people wrong. We can't have him running for his life. So we have to do a good job protecting Dwayne Haskins, allowing him to have the time to look down the field, and then to make plays. Put the ball in the hands of the playmakers, allow him the time to do so, and good things are going to happen for this team. Again, it's easier said than done. Philadelphia's defense, I don't think, is exceptionally scary all around. I think they're good. I don't really think anybody in our division necessarily has a terrible defense. uh, So I don't think we'll be running up like 50 points or anything uh, of that nature. But they're not exactly a, a scary defense, right? They're not the 49ers. You look at the 49ers defense, that's a scary defense. They're not that. So if you can protect Dwayne Haskins, he has time to kind of pick the defense apart a little bit. Give that to him, please. I want to see this guy perform at a high level, and I don't want to see him consistently being taken to the ground. Now, Brandon Graham is going to be, I mean, Brandon Graham's is a really good defensive end, or pass rusher, edge rusher, wherever the hell they line him up at. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, uh, keep those guys the hell away from Dwayne Haskins. And without a doubt, the, the next kind of key that I got here, this is going to be the most reoccurring key uh, without question. For the entire season, I am telling you that now it is September 10th. We haven't even gotten to officially to Week One yet, but this is going to be the most reoccurring key throughout the entirety of the season. Get the ball in the hands of Terry McLaurin. It is really that simple. Specifically, against this team, because in Terry McLaurin's rookie year, he was the Philadelphia Eagle killer in two games, ten receptions. 255 yards, two touchdowns. It should have been three touchdowns and over 300 yards, but Case Keenum just missed him in week one last year on what would have been his second touchdown of that game. That dude has torched the Philadelphia Eagles in his rookie season. I see no reason why that can't continue. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, wait a minute, Denton. They just got Darius Slay, and Darius Slay is really, really great. And Darius Slay is really, really great. But Terry McLaurin also had success against Darius Slay when we played Detroit last year. Five receptions, 72 yards against Detroit last year. And a number of those receptions came when being covered by Darius Slay. Three to my count. And they were relatively big receptions, too. It wasn't like a little rinky-dink five-yard completion. These were completions down the field. So there's no reason why Terry McLaurin shouldn't again have a successful day against the Philadelphia Eagles defense. I'm curious to see if Philadelphia is going to have Slay line up to follow Terry around the field. I wonder if they're debating that on Philadelphia radio stations like we used to debate whether or not Josh Norman is going to follow guys. Remember when we were doing that on a consistent basis? I don't know if Darius Slay is going to follow Terry McLaurin around the field, but if that is the case, do we have some sort of wrinkles offensively to get Terry in a spot where that's not the case? where we can kind of confuse their defense a little bit and get him into a favorable matchup. Now, from a football perspective, like just a fan's perspective, taking a step away from the biases that I have entering this game, I don't know how you can't love the matchup of Terry McLaurin versus Darius Slay. I love great wide receiver play, and I love great cornerback play. And those two guys are really, really good. So I'm excited about that that aspect of the game just from a fan's perspective, like just from a loving football perspective. But I want to see, obviously, Terry McLaurin get the better of Darius Slay. And I want to see him get into the end zone. And again, this is going to be a reoccurring theme because it seemed like last year when we were doing these game recap podcasts, I was always asking the question, why the hell is the ball not in the hands of Terry McLaurin? If we're going to drop back and throw... I mean, let's say 30, 35 passes a game, which I don't think is an absurd number by any stretch of the imagination. And I would suggest that once Dwayne Haskins gets more comfortable in this offense, that number should maybe be closer to 40. Obviously, you want to run the ball a lot, but I would like to ideally run anywhere from 65 to 70 plays in a game. That might be a little bit of a stretch on a consistent basis, but you're getting up, you're picking up what I'm putting down there. If we're throwing the ball 35 times, at least 7 to 10 of those throws should be in the direction of Terry McLaurin. At least. And he has the ability to create separation. So even when the defense knows, hey, the ball's probably going to Terry McLaurin, he can still go get the football. I mean, that's how good the guy is. So get the ball in his hands. That is the the top offensive key other than protecting the actual quarterback. Get the ball in the hands of Terry McLaurin. And following along the lines of that, we've heard a lot of good things about Antonio Gibson haven't we? It's been a whole lot of fun to see guys on our team praise Antonio Gibson. Let's unleash the beast with that guy. Dwayne Haskins has been raving about the dude. He told Wale. We love Wale. He told Wale, Antonio Gibson, that's your sleeper for fantasy. You're not saying that if you're not hoping your guy's going to put up big numbers. Now, obviously, Dwayne could be gassing his guy up a little bit. But if we're cutting Adrian Peterson... That means we've seen some good things from Gibson. And I'll be honest, at the time, the Peterson cut was a bit surprising. It's not as much surprising now. I've kind of seen the vision a little bit. But at the time, it was surprising. And what helped me see that vision is recognizing that our offensive coaching staff and just coaching staff in general must really love somebody in our running back room. And J.D. McKissick is great. He might be projected as the starter, but you're not cutting Adrian Peterson for McKissick. You are cutting Adrian Peterson for the future, and the future is Antonio Gibson. The future, hopefully, will be Bryce Love. But I'm guessing Gibson is going to get a lot more touches in week one than Bryce Love will. So with that in mind, unleash the beast. The dude is a walking powerhouse, and you can do so many things with him offensively. Let's get creative do what we can to put the ball in his hands. If we're throwing 7 to 10 times to Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson should be touching the ball anywhere from 15 to 20 times, whether it be as an actual running back or catching passes out of the backfield, lining up in certain positions like maybe in the slot if we're going to get creative offensively. That dude should be touching the football anywhere from 15 to 20 times in this ball game. I don't know if Philadelphia has an answer for him because I don't know if really anybody in the NFL has a great answer for a guy that is as big as he is and has so many different skills. We just have to utilize those skills. I want to see the beach unleashed with Antonio Gibson. Let's see some some crazy plays. This is a guy that I'm thinking finds the end zone this week. I gave you the bold prediction with Chase Young getting one and a half sacks. I'm guessing Antonio Gibson finds the end zone this week at least once for us at least once. And then kind of the final thing here, wrapping up, kind of just a quick little preview podcast here. The final thing, I promise, this is not a joke, but prepare for what we are going to see from Jalen Hurts. Again, not a joke. That is not meant to be a dig at Carson Wentz from an injury perspective. This is more looking at this from what are they going to do with the the Taysom Hill style of play calling for Jalen Hurts. They did not draft that dude as high as they did just to have him sit behind Carson Wentz for two to three years and not utilize him. Jalen Hurts has ridiculous athleticism. I don't know how many of you got to actually watch the guy at Oklahoma, but he has ridiculous athleticism, and he fits the mold of that Taysom Hill style of player, and that's what all the conversation has been like surrounding Jalen Hurts for this entire offseason. And if you think Philadelphia is just going to come into week one and not utilize that, you're nuts. You're absolutely bonkers. So what can we expect from that offense in the use of Jalen Hurts, and are we prepared for it? Can our linebacking group be prepared to come up and make plays if necessary because Hurts is fast as hell? I mean, he has lightning speed, not Lamar Jackson fast, but you get the idea. He is not a slow dude by any stretch of the imagination. Are we prepared for the weird package that we're going to see from Jalen Hurts? And kind of a side note when it comes to the linebacking perspective, uh, what the hell are we going to do with Zach Hurts? Because Zach Ertz has two options this week. He did not get paid to the extent that he wanted to get paid. In fact, he hasn't gotten paid. They stopped the conversations about getting paid because the numbers were not up to par. He wants to get paid like a top tight end in the NFL. Philadelphia said, we don't know if we want to pay you like a top tight end in the NFL just yet. So there are two options for Zach Ertz. You either become a shell of yourself and get really, really upset and don't play well, Or, you play really, really pissed off, but it's controlled anger, and you absolutely dominate. Obviously, I'm hoping for the former, but my fear is that we're going to see the latter. And Ertz has been a royal pain in the ass ever since Philadelphia drafted him. He has been a killer, and I don't know if we have anybody that can line up with Ertz for a full game and shut the guy down. Troy Apke seems like he's had a really good uh, really good offseason, but do you trust him to defend Zach Ertz? What is the plan for him? Philadelphia does have some offensive weapons if Jalen Rager is ready to go. I wasn't really expecting him to be ready to go, but it seems like he might be able to get some action with him, with Deshaun Jackson, who even as Deshaun Jackson is getting older, uh, the speed doesn't just disappear. I know it does for some players, but his speed seems to still be a thing. In fact, that's the thing that's keeping him in the league because Lord knows the route tree isn't exactly huge for Deshaun Jackson, but that speed is crazy. Philadelphia has a lot of offensive weapons, especially if Alshon Jeffrey can play too. I'm not I'm not as huge on Alshon Jeffrey as I once was. That Super Bowl run, he had some really good plays. I don't know if he's still at that spot yet, but they still have some playmakers. How are we going to defend them, especially if Kendall Fuller is going to be limited? Obviously, you want Kendall Fuller to be the starting cornerback. We paid him a good amount of money to come back here. We want to see him succeed, but if he's going to be limited with a knee injury, that kind of puts us down a little bit. So I'm very optimistically curious as to how we are going to handle all these Philadelphia playmakers. Now, with that in mind, it is time for the prediction. Now, what I don't want this to be is like me turning into Larry Michael and just predicting the Redskins go 16-0 and with the skin tangibles and all that nonsense. As much as I love the skin tangibles, uh, that's just not what I'm here to do. With that in mind, though, because of a lot of the outside factors that are going to be surrounding this game, specifically not having any preseason and really not exactly 100% knowing what each team has and not knowing what to expect from a, a gameplay perspective in terms of sloppiness and ready to go, I do think this week one presents a very unique opportunity to see some of the underdog teams which we are very much the underdog in this in this matchup but I think this week presents a unique opportunity to see some of these underdog teams steal a game and my thought process is why the hell not us so that's what I'm going with I'm thinking we can steal a game here and I think it's going to revolve almost solely around the defensive line I really do think this group is going to be special I have said that all offseason I'm not backing down I think this defensive line is going to be special. I think they get to Carson Wentz, and I think they start early. I think they bring him to the ground. I think it's realistic to expect five sacks from this group in week one, especially if Lane Johnson doesn't play, and Jason Peters is old, who is supposed to play guard, and he's moved to the tackle. I think the defensive line can eat that Eagles offensive line up, so I am predicting us to win. I'm not predicting a a huge scoring game. I, I don't think... I don't think either team goes over 30 points, to be completely honest, but I'm going to pick the Washington football team to win 27-20, and we will call it a day. That's the prediction. I'd love to hear yours, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. You can comment down below on hogshaven.com as well. Until then, we'll see you after the game, hopefully on either Monday or Tuesday, breaking it down. I'll see you next time on the Big Podcast.